lot of what creative leadership I know is for me or where I'm coming from is the thinking before the execution and when the execution is going on, like asking the right questions, asking the right follow-up questions, and bringing people along in on the journey. Hello, everyone. My name is Dr. Cindy Burnett. And my name is Dr. Matthew Wurwood. This is the Fueling Creativity and Education podcast. On this show, we'll be talking about creativity topics and how they apply to the field of education. We'll be speaking with scholars, educators, and resident experts about their work, challenges they face, and digging deeper into new and varying perspectives of creativity. All with the goal to help fuel a more rich and informed discussion that provides teachers and parents with knowledge they can use at home or in the classroom. So let's begin. Today, we welcome to the show Carrington Falk. Carrington is a high school marketing teacher and Google for Education certified trainer who enjoys educating learners of all ages on how to master subjects in the realm of creativity, technology, leadership, marketing, and innovation. He is the founder of Skilltivity, an online education platform that seeks to advance creative skills. Carrington is a musician, and we'll provide the link below because he's fabulous. He's the owner of Micah 3, a video branding agency, and he's the husband and father to his wife and four children and a new addition that just came along, a wonderful daughter. So welcome to the show, Carrington. Thank you. Thank you. Great to be here. So let's start with your work in the classroom. So tell us about some of the things that you have your students in your course creating, publishing, designing within your classroom? One of the big things I want them to do is be able to uh, create. I give them the space to create. A lot of things we're doing, I I know in my classroom, we use a lot of Adobe products, Photoshop, Adobe Premiere Pro, uh, Adobe Audition, Illustrator. And so a lot of that is just creating things that they'll need. Like, for example, a resume or or creating projects. or, Or like for a lot of them, they like to... Uh, I taught them how to edit videos um, and just uh, be able to communicate on that level. So we're really doing a lot around that. And and I'm telling you, they're creating some really, really great things. You know, just just to follow up to to this video piece, I think certainly on the show, we've spoken a lot about project-based learning environments and the just the act of creating and making. And of course, there's certain courses or classrooms that are more fitting to creating and making than others. What I'm interested in is because of your background and your reference just then to video, what is it about video that makes it so popular in technology classrooms? Well, the thing about video is that they're able to capture what they're feeling, what they're saying, and then able to broadcast it to the world. I know like my students in general, they can't go a minute without YouTube or um, that's just the way they communicate with each other. And so for them to be able to create a video that they created, that they're able to put their content, their ideas into for people to be able to like and uh, share their content and, and comment on it. That to me is their connection with the outside world. I think really just them being older and being more mature, maybe even being an adult, for people to just listen to them. A lot of my students, they just came from a pandemic where they were in uh, literally in their house, their houses by themselves. And then now they are able to edit video and have a platform to share their ideas and how they're feeling. Um, it's really kind of up. Sometimes uh, with some students, it helps with their social emotional um, health because 
they may not have a lot of people listening to them, let's per se, in their homes or even at school, but online, they're able to get um, uh, build communities and have conversations with people. And then there was something else you said in there as well, this idea of it, in essence, being their medium. And some of us now could kind of slightly fall into the YouTube generation, but you know, it's it's difficult now to think of life before YouTube. YouTube has changed how we consume information. You know, it's not primarily through the textbook anymore. And so there are classes where we learn to read and we learn to write and we learn to express our, ourselves on the page. But I think you're right. I think the idea of, of creating video is a new medium for us as individuals to express ourselves. However, because t- using your words, it's their medium their, their kind of like connection with how they interact and engage with information in the real world, perhaps the barriers are a little bit lower, right? Because they've got the mobile devices, they've got the kind of visual vocabulary. And YouTube has said, hey, you don't have to produce a video that's a $100 million blockbuster hit quality, right? Right. The barrier uh, for entry is lower. Um, it's also lower in order to create the videos as well. You know, it used to be that you had the even though I teach them how to edit on um, Adobe Premiere Pro, which is you can edit Hollywood movies on that. They're also creating videos on TikTok and, and things such as that, where like to, to you or I or other people, it may be throwaway content to them. They're getting noticed all across the world with either uh, dances or anything that they're doing um, on that video. It's something that really not only connects them to the world, but I hate to say it kind of for some people, it, it, it digs deep into their self-worth, which I don't agree with. But um, people do think that they're worth more if more people are liking it and, and engaging in their content. But I just think it's uh, definitely a tool that they can use uh, when they go out into the workforce, for sure. So what do you consider the benefits of creating these sorts of videos? And what are the watchouts, especially for parents? You know, I, I know Matt and I are both parents as well. And we're worried about our children and our students creating content, putting content out there that might be inappropriate. So what are some of the benefits and what are some of the watchouts? One of the, one of the big watchouts is, is definitely, I think, uh, you know, it used to, I don't know if it's still the same, but people used to say, when someone takes a picture of you, it's like like taking a piece of your soul. Well, video is like <laughs> thousands upon thousands of pictures, you know, of yourself. And you're literally uh, not only putting a video of yourself online where everybody can see it, but it's also a lot of other uh, metadata, a lot of other like location-based things that when you do post, that um, one thing to watch out for is people will, <laughs> if they want to reach out and meet you, you know, try to touch you, they can actually kind of find you, you know, um, that's happened to some of my students. Um, now, of course, the, the good things about this is some people are getting noticed that would never have gotten noticed. I actually have a, uh, a guy who's a football player. He's actually got more Division One and Division Two scholarship offers because he has posted content of his highlights online. And not only his highlights, just video of him expressing himself of who he is as a player, as a person, and it's really gotten more coaches to come and see him. So it's kind of like everything you can <laughs> look at going to the gym. You can overdo that, right? Um, so there's a there's a, there's a a good and a bad side of almost everything. You know what's interesting? To connect this back to creativity, there's, there's a few things to pick up on this. One, you know, agents, sports agents, sometimes when they're looking at taking on certain clients will – 
kind of look at how active their client is, this this athlete is on social media. Because if they've got a lot of followers on social media, then, you know, obviously there's probably opportunities to go and secure contracts with brands and therefore make some money if they become super successful, number one. But two, there's also this idea of advocating for yourself as well. You know, I, I think in Jonathan Blucker's episode back in season two, we spoke a little bit or touched on this idea of having a mentor or somebody that's in a position to kind of advocate for you, you know, your creative work, your creative endeavors. But on social media, to a certain extent, we are having to learn how to promote our own content. We're all learning how to produce content. We're in a culture where we're encouraged to create content, to share content. But there's almost like that extra level where you're actually able to successfully market your content as well. And so you've said some students have you know, seem to do relatively well with with their videos, whereas others don't. Do you think there's that ability to, or maybe comfort in marketing yourself that is playing into this a little bit? Yes, I kind of look at it almost like, uh, you know, I know that we all, we were talking about, you know, parenting and and talking about our kids. There's some parents that'll post everything about their kids online. (laughs) And then there's some that don't post anything. There's some students are the same way, you know, they, they'll, some will post everything and some won't. And of course there's everybody in between, but I do think um, you actually don't have to post everything. Some, some are, uh, I would say the difference between the students that are really successful and, and the ones that may not try or aren't is the strategy, right? Um, because to be honest with you, a lot of my students actually delete a lot of their posts and they curate their, their content. That's one of the biggest things that I've seen from students is it's not just content, just releasing it. It's let's curate the best pictures, the best video, the best post that really, you know, say who I am. And then, you know, some students are just in, I would say, higher attention areas uh, such as sports or um, they may be in other things such that they just get more eyeballs on them. And, and, and of course, we don't have to get into like the cool kids and jocks and whoever in the schools and things like that. But um, a lot of that stuff is not uh, really real, as you know. But I do think the strategy is real. And the students with the best strategy online and the best um, positioning win. And, and I think teachers listening to this, the reason why this is important is that more and more of our students already have YouTube channels or, or TikTok, TikTok channels that they are managing or curating for. And they actually have a career aspiration of being a content producer by themselves as opposed to going and working at NBC Sports or ESPN. And so I think it's really, really important for K through 12 educators to realize that this this is a, is a real thing now, right? It's their medium. There are people making money from it. There are people who can go and pursue careers with it. And so facilitating creativity in this space is something that I think is really important and actually something that does belong and should be part of a K through 12 education system. It's extremely important. It's definitely extremely important. Um, and I've, it's funny because I've never seen this many students want to be YouTubers in my life than they do right now. But, you know, the, the big thing I try to tell them is it's not what's the popular platform now. I tell them to think about what's going to be popular uh, later and what's up and coming, because that's that's something to where it's kind of like when you think about Justin Bieber. Right. 
um, he became big on YouTube. He was like one of the first, not, not, I want to say the first, but he was, he became really big through YouTube. But I would say now it's, it's way tougher because it's just so many people on YouTube now. If there's another platform that comes up that they just attach to and really start creating content, I think that's the better way to go. I love the futuristic thinking around that, Carrington, that we have to start thinking not just about what's popular now, but what's popular in the future. So, Carrington, can you tell us what your thoughts are on creative leadership in education? Creative leadership is something, you know, I'm really keen on, especially just kind of relating it to, I know, another podcast you guys have about asking questions. I really believe that that's a lot of uh, what creativity, creative exploration is, is really asking questions. I personally believe we don't ask enough questions. And when you're thinking about uh, creativity, I think a lot of people want to start thinking about execution all the time or first, right? So we think of these platforms such as Photoshop or um, Illustrator or even creating a video and people want to, we need a video, they want to create a video, but we haven't even thought about what we're going to create yet, right? We haven't asked enough questions about like, what should we, what should we create? And so a lot of what creative leadership I know is for me or where I'm coming from is the thinking before the execution and when the execution is going on, like asking the right questions, asking the right follow-up questions and bringing people along in on the journey. And so that's really what creative leadership is for me because it really leads us to a strategic execution that uh, we know that's going to hit the target we want uh, later. So do you see the students being creative leaders? Do you see the teacher being the creative leader? Do you see everyone as a creative leader? I see everyone. I, I see creative leadership as positionless. Students are creative leaders for sure. For sure. I've, I've, I've seen a lot of creative leaders in the classroom, the students. Um, but I do believe that teachers need to be uh, have creative leadership elements or be creative leaders because, you know, all, all, all the students I have now were born with a smartphone up. Out the, out the womb. They had a smartphone literally in their hands. Not literally, but figuratively. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and so a lot of this stuff is like, I remember I had a teacher saying, I don't even know how to do a TikTok, right? But the students are like literally doing it every day, right? And that's just one example. If we, if we don't, aren't being creative leaders in the classroom, then even we will get left behind as educators. First of all, that that's a really powerful statement at the end there with this idea of, you know, we have to be creative leaders as well. Otherwise, we're going to get left behind. And I think, you know, just going back to what you had said earlier on in the show about this idea of kind of like changing platforms, merging platforms, making sure that we are to a certain extent, we don't have to know everything about it, but we need to be a little bit sensitive to the fact that the, the most popular platforms that exist outside our classroom or the most popular way of doing something when it comes to creating and making, for example, video might be emerging and modifying and changing and, and a little different outside the classroom to how we did it. And we need to kind of like keep up with it as well. But I want to I want to come back to something you said that I think is is really really relevant. You've used the word strategy a couple of times. And from from what I'm picking up is you're making a connection to the fact that, you know, asking questions, asking the right questions is part of the strategy that goes up front. And it, it kind of makes me think about this constant battle that that you know, many of us experience in education. You know, is is the technology the tool per se? 
that is driving change or is it the educator that's driving the change, for example? And what I'm kind of really thinking is that whenever we go and embark on a journey of creating and making something with technology, I think if we have those questions up front or making sure those questions are are at least part of that process, there's an element of creative leadership. We're leading the creativity as opposed to the technology driving all of the decisions that we're making. Well, I will say this. I'll hear this with people I work with or in my district. They'll be like, let's make a TikTok. But why are we why, why are we making a TikTok? You know, what are the questions we need to ask more questions around that? Because maybe we need to not make a TikTok. Maybe it's something else that we need to make, right? And I and I think also people don't break down just the term of what technology means, right? And so technology is literally about creating something new, right? But what people don't think about is it's not just a digital. Thing that you're creating with technology or something digital or platform you're using, it, it, it could be a way of thinking. That's a new technology, right? It could be a way of uh, a process that someone uh, just creates and, and it's being really innovative with. And so, I, you know, working with educators, being a Google for Education certified trainer and just kind of being uh, doing a lot of speaking and, and professional development is I believe that that's the main thing. They want to leave with apps or something that they can use later, right? But what's the, as you say, what's the use of creating something on that platform if you haven't went through the uh, the thought process of it and saying, do you even really need to use this? Um, so I, I think that that's something not just educators do, but um, I think uh, in a sense we all do it. We want to use the shiny new thing. But is it good for us? We, you don't know until you ask the question. I think that also builds on a conversation we had with David Cropley uh, last season around ethics. So not only why are we creating this, but what are the implications of us creating this? So if you look at something like TikTok and, you know, why are we creating this? What's going to happen when this goes out to the world? How are people going to react with it? How are people going to interact with it? And is that a good thing? And is there anything that we're missing around actually creating it? Exactly. Exactly. And also it connects back to what you said about the data. You know, the kids are making these videos, right? So let's go and teach them how to ask these questions and let's teach them how to be safe and and more sensitive to the content that they're putting out there. But then also what that content's saying about them, what, what data are they putting out there about themselves? I mean, all of it goes hand in hand, but it also is why we need an educator in the classroom facilitating this experience, encouraging them to ask the questions that you're talking about, Carrington. Right. And that's exactly right. And I think that also builds on not only the creativity skills, but the critical thinking skills, which I don't think we talk enough about on the show, actually, Matt. I was thinking about that today, that, you know, we we are obviously huge advocates for creative thinking, but there is that balance between creative and critical thinking. And we have to have students not only when they're creating things, that's wonderful, but also reflecting on the implications of what they've created. Right. And you're, that, that's as big is um, I do notice that there's not a lot of with everybody creating things and posting things online. There's not a lot of reflection <laughs> on what this is doing. And uh, not only the other people, but also. Now, I mean, you know, there may be some students thinking about this, but I don't think they do think a lot about like what are people thinking about what they've posted. Uh, what are people actually 
uh, not only taken from it, but how they're being perceived beyond just getting a like from their friends or some other people in their social circles or, but maybe even just people online, like what, how are they being perceived? So, and the fact that it's not going to, it's not going to go away. Uh, <laughs> it's going to be there forever pretty much. So Carrington, we have, uh, Cindy and I have done an episode where we kind of reflected on all of our past guests running from kind of like season one to halfway through season three. And we, we identified a few different themes that emerged. And one of them is the creative educator. And one of the, the items or attributes that we identify within the creative educator, which multiple people spoke about, was the importance and need for us teachers, instructors, professors, faculty, to make sure we're engaging in our own creativity outside of the classroom environment. And there's lots of different examples of the, the, where, where we've spoken about that. But we can't let you leave the show without talking about your work as a musician for, 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 the, for the same reason, right? So, you know, if you could talk a little bit about, you know, your work as a musician, but more importantly, how is it influencing your work as an educator? How's that outside creativity, your personal creativity, finding its way and infusing itself into the curriculum? The first thing is that it connects with uh, my students. They, they, um, I have musicians in my class or people that want to be musicians. They, they really connect with it. They'll find my stuff online. They'll, they'll try to, um, you know, and, and they'll use it as a connection piece with me, uh, you know, and so um, it's really helped. I know me as in the classroom and with students uh, because it's that common bond. Uh, the other thing, too, is um, as a, I play the piano, doing like improv <laughs> in the classroom. And so, like, you know, kind of like on the piano, you know, you do have to pull out that that muscle a lot of the times. And, and then also in regards to music. Uh, as a producer, a lot of times I'm using more so systems to uh, really bring everything together in, in in creating an album or creating a song. And, and that, a lot of times that's what I do in regards to instruction. Um, you're creating systems for students for learning. Um, and so th th those are just uh, different things that, that kind of help um, in the classroom. Plus, um, just to be honest with you, you know, I've trained my ears throughout the years. Um, and so it's a lot of that is just taken in. And um, we talk about student engagement, but a lot of times we don't talk about teacher engagement uh, because a lot of times I'm uh, being engaged by what's happening in the classroom and just being able to hear and see. And so those are just a few that kind of connect. And I'm actually working on a new album right now. It's called Restoration Power. Uh, hopefully uh, I'm going to put it on my, my website along with my other music when I release it soon. Fantastic. Thank you so much. Well, Carrington, we're running out of time, but we end every interview with this question. What three tips would you give to educators who want to bring creative thinking into the classroom? Well, uh, the first one I'll say is, I uh, kind of talked about it earlier, we just need to all ask more questions. You know, it's, it's usually those things that we've kind of just let go to the wayside and say it's always been that way. Um, that we're not asking questions about. It, it does need, uh, creativity needs innovation because uh, uh, creativity leads to innovation. The, the second thing I want to talk about is um, the fourth industrial revolution. I know it's a little bit different than uh, what we've been talking about, but my students and even all of us here today, we, we're in this, this workforce that AI automation is literally changing the landscape of how we work every day. And so students need to realize this and know that 
the jobs we see today may not be the jobs we have tomorrow or even the opportunities tomorrow. We might we might get automated by robots. I know it, it sounds like a doomsday, but it's true. It really is true. The third thing I want to uh, I want to talk about is I really believe that each district that I guess has the funding uh, should have a chief creative officer. It should be someone that really looks to inject creativity into the district as a whole and really seek to ask these questions, disrupting some things that need to be disrupted and seeking innovation in the district. And I believe, definitely believe each district that can should have a chief creative officer. All right. Well, Carrington, this is this has been a, a great episode. And I think it's probably our first episode on this just idea of kind of content production, whatever that content might be. So thank you so much for sharing your experience in the classroom. So that kind of concludes this episode of the Fueling Creativity and Education podcast. If you've got any questions about this episode, past episodes or ideas for future episodes, remember you can reach out to us using the email address questions at fuelingcreativitypodcast.com. My name is Dr. Matthew Werwin. And my name is Dr. Cindy Burnett. This podcast was produced by Creativity and Education and in partnership with dadsforcreativity.com. Our editor is Sina Yousafzadeh.